Hey, welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're new to the show, for one, welcome. But two, what you need to know about this show is that it's meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but in bite-sized segments of time. And lately we've been talking about the foot, and I feel it's time to transition up to the shoulder. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a few episodes just really diving in um, because I feel as though when you're able to make connections about you know, how things operate together, you're better able to learn it, understand it, remember it, and apply it, which is kind of the whole point of what we're doing, right? And so the next few episodes are probably going to be about the shoulder. We might have some interruptions here and there, but specifically today, we're going to talk about the labrum. Before we do that, though, this is a very special episode because this is the 50th episode of the show. And I just want to stop and take a moment and say thank you. Thank you for being a part of this process with me, this journey. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the community. I have so enjoyed making the connections that I've made here. It has been more than I ever thought it would be. And I so, so, so appreciate you. Um, fun fact, I, I got featured on Feedspot's Top 60 Physical Therapy Podcasts. And if you want to check out that article yourself, I'll put it down in the show notes. But that's all because of you guys, because of you guys showing up. Even if there's just five of you showing up, then that would be worth it to me. But there's more than five of you guys showing up. So that is just all more of the merrier. Okay. But anyways, let's get back to it. Let's talk about the labrum. We're going to talk a little bit about the anatomy of the labrum, um, its function, how do we know when it's not doing its function, and then um, the different things, different types of ways it can dysfunction. So we're not really going over treatment today because, again, this is a snack. It's a PT snack. It's not a buffet. So what is the labrum? Well, when we're talking about the labrum, I'm talking about the glenoid labrum, and this is basically fibrocartilage with three sides and one edge. So there's a super a superficial side where it is free and responsive to the humeral head, and then there's the articular side that somewhat adheres to the glenoid cavity. Um, it doesn't really adhere to the edge of the cavity in the superior region because that's free. But keep in mind that that's also a region that has a lot of anatomic variance. So it varies person to person, basically. Uh, the articular side also adheres to the edge in the inferior and posterior region where the inferior glenohumeral ligament insertion is, and that's where the forces that are the strongest act. Now there's a peripheral side, and this is just basically in continuity of the joint capsule, which, by the way, is a great source of vascularization. If you've learned anything by my series on tissue healing, we know that blood flow source is very important. But it's also where there's some shoulder ligament insertion. The axial edge is free. Now, in this area, there's also the long head of the biceps brachii tendon that is attached to the, both the supraglenoid tubercle and the superior part of the labrum, which will be important when we talk about what can possibly go wrong in the shoulder. So first, that's the anatomy. Now, let's talk about why it's even there in the first place. So there's three main things that I want you to pick up on that the labrum does. So for one, it helps to basically increase contact area between the humeral head and the scapula. Like it extends two millimeters anterior posteriorly and then 4.5 millimeters superior inferiorly. So essentially this makes the like ball and socket joint 
like the sockets a little bit deeper so that the ball is more secure. Okay. It still allows it to be very mobile because we need our shoulders to be able to allow our upper extremities to move in a lot of different ways, but we also need to make sure that we're protecting the shoulder too. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, um, the labrum helps to contribute to something called a viscoelastic piston effect. So essentially what that means is it helps to maintain a negative 32 millimeters mercury intraarticular negative pressure to help against traction, stress, and then to a lesser extent, shear stress. So they essentially it just kind of like acts as suction to keep the humeral head into the socket and not fall out. Great. We love this, right? So number three would be it basically provides insertion for stabilizing structures like the capsule and the glenohumeral ligaments. Um, just helps for fibrous crossroads, and there you have it. Okay. So number one, more contact area. Number two, more intraarticular negative pressure. Number three, basically an insertion site for stabilizing structures. Now, how do we know when it's not working? Well, when any one of these three things seem to not be the way that we want them to be. So this is why it's so important to understand the function of a, a tissue or a structure, why, what normal looks like so that you can catch when not normal happens. So if it's no longer serving its function, okay, like in this instance, the labrum, it helps us to be able to see, hey, you know, the labrum is supposed to do this job. What else is supposed to do this job and how do I differentiate between these different structures so I know what to do next? So just put this in perspective. An injury to the labrum can compromise the concavity compression phenomena as much as 50%. And if a patient who is already more um, ligamentously lax, you could say a little bit more, has a little more generalized joint hypermobility and they're an overhead athlete, this might mean that they might have more humeral head translation and therefore shear stresses to the labrum. Now, large anterior translational forces present at levels up to 50% of the body weight during arm acceleration of a throwing motion. So especially with the arm with 90 degrees abduction and ER. Basically, there's a lot of stress going up in the front of that joint when you're throwing something. Now, with labral injuries, there's two main themes. There's labral tears and then there's labral detachment. We're going to start with labral tears. So there's different types. There's transverse tears, longitudinal tears, flap tears, horizontal cleavage tears, and fibrillated tears. And they're going to happen most commonly in the anterior superior, which would be like 60%, or the posterior superior part of the shoulder, which would be more like 18%. What we do with these, you know, sometimes people will have surgery for this, they'll get it corrected, yada, yada. But some studies that have been done, um, like more long-term studies, there's one in particular that's like a three-year long-term follow-up on overhead athletes who have found that initially after surgery, they did pretty well. But long-term follow-up showed that these patients who have hypermobile shoulders didn't really have long-term success which suggests that maybe we should address the underlying instability of the shoulder that led to the labral injury in the first place for effective return to sport, right? So just a little plug to make sure that you're not just treating the structure that is injured, but also treating the environment of where that structure lives, okay? Things are connected. Take that into account, but also don't get so distracted treating everything that you forget to treat the main thing. 
Now, that's labral tears. Labral detachment, you have um, a lot of different types, but some of the most common ones are bank heart lesions and slap lesions. Bank heart lesions, you'll find more in dislocations. In fact, you'll find about like 85%. The labral detachment usually happens like if you're looking at the right shoulder between 2 and 6 o'clock and then on the left between the 6 and 10 o'clock position if you're looking at the glenoid. Again, I highly recommend visuals for this um, unless you're driving. Please pay attention to the road. But what happens, kind of a hallmark with the bank heart lesions, is this results in a lot of anterior and inferior humeral head translation. So not quite as stable without a structure that's job is mainly centered in stability, right? Now, slap lesions, you're going to have an anterior labrum and biceps anchor deficit, which means there's a decrease in the ability to withstand a lot of rotational forces and a huge increase and the strain of the anterior band of the inferior glenohumeral ligament. Huge, as in 100 to 120% increase in strain. So not really something we love, right? Now keep in mind, people can have labral tears, and that might not necessarily be something that has to be corrected. If it's painful, yeah, we want to help with that. But it's one of those things where it can be completely common to have them. It's just you need to be able to determine how much dysfunction is occurring to see what the ideal correction is. So when we're testing for this, there's so many shoulder tests out there, guys, so many. And if you remember, if we go all the way back to episode 21, I even mentioned forming different differential diagnoses for shoulder hypotheses on how to basically look at that. And in that episode, I talk a lot about how special tests in the shoulder kind of stink. Um, the psychometric properties are all over the place. But again, you know, use your your clinical judgment. Try and combine the history with the pain complaints with what you're seeing in the exam and, and use your best judgment. But there are tests out there for the labrum. So there's general tests and there's tests that are more like slap specific. The general tests basically use a long axis compression through the humerus to scour the glenoid and try and trap the torn or detached labral fragment between the humeral head and the glenoid. So if you have ever used a mortar or pestle, if you like to cook, that's kind of like what you're doing with the labrum. You're trying to grind on it, see what hurts if it does. So there's like the clunk test and the circumduction test. Uh, both of these, basically you're trying to scour the perimeter and trap it with compression and rotation. There's also another special test called the compression rotation and the crank test. Again, I think these are better to look up, but just know that essentially you're just trying to push through the head of humerus into the, the labrum and see if it hurts and kind of grind it around a little bit. Now, there's some tests that use muscular tension on the biceps long head to basically tension the superior labrum. There's the O'Brien active compression test, the Mori test, biceps load test, and then the ER supination test, which kind of tries to mimic the peel back, which peel back is basically just one of the more recent theories about how slap lesions occur by Burkhart and Morgan. They did a study where they found that there's a lot of torsional force with the arm abducted brought into max ER, basically peels back the biceps and posterior labrum. So that's kind of what brief summary of what that means, essentially. But again, the sensitivities and specificities of these tests are kind of all over the place. And then even non-contrast MRIs, like 
in different studies, somewhere around like 42 to 98%, and a specificity of 71% for slap lesions. So this is this is not really the best. Um, it is better for contrast MRIs or MRI arthrograms, but definitely something that you want to keep in mind. So that's the glenoid labrum. We have our anatomy, its function, and its faults, essentially. Um, in the future, we'll cover more on shoulder instability and, and stuff like that. But if you have any questions, reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at pt underscore snacks. Um, and then you can always check out the website, www.ptsnackspodcast.com. Lots of resources down below in the show notes. Um, if you need some CEUs, MedBridge is offering $175 off of an annual subscription which is a huge deal where you can get CEUs, do some webinars, have a patient exercise program, access to that. Um, if you use the promo code PT Snacks Podcast, that'll get you that. So that's it for today, guys, and until next time.